0: Our reading is Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence I bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouths can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them forever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Shortly, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour, as with a shield.
1: Thank you for that reading from Psalm 5. The morning that uh, I began preparation on this psalm some time ago I got some family news that broke my heart a bit and um, burdened my mind I found that it was like a heavy weight on my spirit it was family news painful family news I found myself during the day sighing and uh, occasionally groaning with sadness you've all probably all known uh, times like that What does this Psalm 5, I think this psalm says something to us, what does it say to us in the the morning of our heartache, especially when it's the behaviour of other people that is the trigger for our anguish? I want to think through that with you a little bit in this psalm. The first thing I want to talk about is we have access to a hearing God. We have access to a hearing God. Sometimes uh, when I want to boggle my mind, it's possible to have a, ver- a verb out of that word. When I want to boggle my mind, I try to imagine the size of the universe, billions of galaxies filled with billions of stars, um, all made up of innumerable atoms and other bits that are beyond my non-scientific mind. Um, and then, consider, then I consider the being who holds it all together, its creator and its sustainer what kind of being is he he's greater than the universe um, and the nations of this tiny world I think imagine how tiny the world is in the vast cosmos a small planet whirling around a medium-sized star in a modest galaxy um, Isaiah chapter 40 says that the nations of this world are like can be compared to the fine dust on the balance, on the weighing machine. Fine dust. When I was a boy shopping for my mother at the Co-op in Fellsworth in north, northeast Manchester uh, everything went on the scales. Nothing, hardly anything was pre-wrapped. Um, he was for half a pound of butter and a guy cut it off a huge mound of butter and weighed it on the scales Same for tea same for cheese, almost everything. As far as I remember no one ever asked for the scales to be dusted in order to ensure that they got the right amount of butter. The dust couldn't be measured, it was too small, it was inconsequential. Oh Isaiah chapter 40 says the nations are accounted as the dust on the scales. Now Psalm 5 um assures us that this extraordinary being um is a hearing being here we are small people on a small planet and the god who sustains it all is listening to his people he's a hearing god i believe there's something in the in the in human makeup that that means we want to be heard and understood by other people You all know that horrible experience of sharing your heart with someone, maybe talking about something personal and important. And then you discover either that their eyes have glazed over or that they're actually paying attention or to someone, to someone or something on the other side of the room or worse as you're in full flow, they pull out their smartphone and start checking their tweets. You feel unheard and misunderstood and it happens so frequently. We've actually created a special category of people that we like. They're called good listeners, because so many people are not. If you look at uh, the first three verses of this psalm, uh, just consider the hearing words, give ear, all different Hebrew words, give ear, consider, give ear to my words, consider my murmuring, Uh, hearken to my voice, hear, uh, my voice is a different word. And if part of verse 3 can be translated, I will send an arrow to you. Now, it's not possible to say what period of David's life uh, this refers to, but it seems to have been written in a time of great stress because of the behaviour of hateful people. There are seven descriptions in this psalm of the the poor behavior of people who've got hateful hearts, Um, he uses the word wickedness and evil. He talks about the arrogant, the workers of iniquity, those who speak lies, the bloodthirsty, the deceitful. I think if he'd lived in the 21st century he might have talked about those who spread fake news. But in the midst of this crisis, david starts his morning and he says um in verse five pay attention to in the morning lord in in the morning lord hear my voice so starts his morning by asking that that the lord yahweh the god of israel gives ear to his urgent cries his prayers are sometimes words sometimes cries sometimes murmurings maybe sighs as well sometimes you can articulate your prayers you can speak sentences that are properly made up but there are other times when it's all you can do to utter a wordless groan in the presence of God but God has an ear that's what the psalm is assuring us of God has an ear you will you'll have known the situation in which you've been sitting in mixed company having a chat. I've found this myself when I, I've got to a certain age and my hearing is dull. I'm wearing two hearing aids as I sit here. Um, with my daughter, I remember it particularly a couple of years ago, we'd be sitting around the table and she would suddenly get up and leave the room um, quickly because she'd heard the distant cry of a baby in another room, upstairs in another room. I had not heard a thing, but there she was tuned in to the cry of uh, a a, a child a beloved little child can a woman's tender care cease toward the child she bare? well yeah she may forgetful be but yet will i remember thee says an old hymn so there is a father this psalm is showing us there's a father before whom the 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 nations the continents are like the fine dust on the scales He's eager to keep his ear listening, tuned in to the smallest cry of his children. So you have access to a hearing God. Secondly, I think this psalm is telling us that you have access to a holy God. For you are not a God who takes delight in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. Verses 5 and 6. The boastful cannot stand in your sight. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord abhors violent and treacherous people. Well, we live in a day of the revenge movie. I must confess to a sort of affection for this genre, the revenge movie. We have John Wick, John Wick's two. I think there might be a third one. The Equalizer, Taken. One, two and three. The bad man hurts the good man and probably his family or his dog. The good man utilizes his special gifts. How we all wish we had those special skills. He says, I will find you and I will kill you. And at the end, uh, the bad men are dead. The good man and his loved ones are safe until... next movie it's all neat and tidy only took 90 to 120 minutes for justice to be done for wickedness to be punished and righteousness to be established in real life it's not at all like that and it's um, it's not like that in the Psalms Uh, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73 the wicked are enjoying life they're indulging themselves they're wealthy they're healthy they're prosperous The man of God is suffering every day. wakes up every morning in pain. He's begun to doubt that God is good. And uh, he's even afraid to open his mouth in case he upsets the faith of the people of Israel. I'm trying to be a man of God and I'm in pain every day. That's essentially. Maybe it's been going on for weeks and months. It's not something that's easily solved in 90 to 120 minutes. Here in Psalm Five, there are seven ways of describing the behavior of hateful people and six descriptions of the way God views them and it's obvious from the tone of these cries for help that this man of faith has been deeply wounded by this behavior he's in anguish and he's in distress and it's clear in Psalm 5 he's not having a quiet chat with a friend he's crying out with a measure of um, spiritual and emotional violence The Lord's not disturbed by that kind of anguish cry. Uh, His only hope is that God will be holy and will do the right thing. Vengeance belongs to me, says the Lord. I will do the repaying. That's what you have to take refuge in when harmful things happen to you and are happening to you at the hands of unkind people. When it's just not fair. When you feel emotionally beaten up, you have to take what legitimate steps you can within the, within the um, orbit of scriptural uh, limits. You have to take what steps you can to secure justice, to make things right. Um, but so often it can't be done. And you have to trust that the God of holy justice will put things right in the end, maybe at the end. Those arrogant men who've gone out of their way to crush people and trample on the weak will not stand in God's presence, verse 4 says. They cannot dwell with the Lord. There's no place for them in God's house. Those who, people who brought harm to others by vicious lying speech will be destroyed. I know a 14-year-old boy who took his own life not very long ago. Because of being disturbed and wounded and hurt by Twitter trolls who hounded him and wounded his spirit. The strong bullies of this world, whether they are presidents of a country or the manager of a company, those strong people who abuse their power to harm others, the little people, they will be destroyed, the boastful the liars, the trolls, the holy God will bring them to judgment and you have to sometimes just let things go and trust that in the end, maybe at the end, God will deal with everything justly. You have access to a just and a holy God. Plead your case before him and then leave it to him. That's essentially you have access to a hearing God and you have access to a holy God third thing is you have access to a hospitable god verses 7 and 8 but i enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love i bow down toward your holy temple in reverential awe of you yeah some of the scholars have uh, doubts about this psalm actually being written by king david because of the reference here to the house of god uh, i enter your house by the abundance of your of your loyal faithful love but the um, the temple didn't exist in david's time of course but there are places in the old testament which refer to the tabernacle with which david was familiar which refer to the tabernacle as the house of god and the tabernacle was designed like a house it was an unusual house but it was like a house there was a kitchen. A courtyard where food was prepared, the animals were sacrificed, washed and prepared. That was the courtyard. There was a dining room where there was a table where the bread was set every day. A lampstand and a a device to make the the dining room smell nice. It's called a holy place. Then there was a throne room, a sitting room. There was only one seat in it, and that was God's seat. He was enthroned above the cherubim. He was enthroned above the mercy seat. And he, no, none of the priests could sit down in this house; um, only God could sit down. Up, He was enthroned in the holy of holies. It's a bit like a house, the house of the Lord. Well, this is David's comfort in the day of trouble. He he has an invitation to enter the king's house Verse seven. Um, I bow down toward your holy temple. Um, maybe he's only allowed as far as the courtyard, but this is his joy. He can approach the king because of the abundance of his steadfast love. The Hebrew word is cheseth, his steadfast love. It's a very special word. And it's the abundance, it's abundant, this steadfast love. When the the Lord promised that Hagar in the wilderness would have an innumerable descendants, he used this word, abundance. Hebrew word Heseth refers to the covenant love of God for his people. David has access to God's house because of a love that is um, overwhelmingly abundant, is steadfast. A heart as big as the universe has given David access to the king's house. That's David's that's David's joy and his comfort. He has access to the house and person of God. So when you're going through times of trouble, especially at the hands of the words of people who don't like you, especially sadly when they belong to the church, you want, they want to belittle and condemn you. This has got to be the Christian's main comfort. The king of glory loves me and has given me a place in his house. A place near his heart that's my comfort when others are when i'm not welcome in the affections and the table around the table of other people i've got one who welcomes me loves me you may remember the story of the disabled mephibosheth who feared execution at the hands of king david because of his family ancestry he was given a permanent place in the palace at the table of king david Well you were offered a place in God's house forever and King David's greatest son Jesus secured a place for you in the house of God by his death and resurrection. There is no greater evidence of the the abundance uh, loving uh, grace of God than the death of Jesus for people like you and I. The abundance of steadfast love. But Notice that this doesn't make David cocky. The fact that he's loved with an everlasting love and he's been led by grace, that love to know, doesn't make him cocky because it's a holy temple. God is unimaginably glorious, irresistibly holy and pure. So the welcome to God may be warm, but the king is still worthy of the utmost reverence. I bow down toward your holy temple, in reverential awe of you. It says here. But because of Jesus, you can say God. He can say um, God's goodness and mercy. Heseth will follow me, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the Lord's house forever. You have access to a hospitable God. So please remember that if you are struggling with what other people say about you and their attitudes towards you this morning, if you are enduring the criticism of cold hearts and cruel mouths that threaten to cast you down, remember to whose table you have an invitation and in whose house you are welcome. There's a story about. Billy Bray, the tin miner, the Cornish tin miner, Methodist tin miner that I loved uh, for, to visit from time to time. Billy Bray was a working man, he was, he'd been a pugilist, a fighter, he, he was a wife beater, he was a drunkard and he was gloriously saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and he, he gave him a new identity. He was still a poor man, he was still a working class man. One day he went to the front door of a vicarage near where he lived, and the vicar's wife came to the door. She looked him up and down, observed his clothes, um, and his, um, his demeanour, and, and his uh, maybe his accent, and she invited him to go to the back door. And Billy Bray said to her, "I am the son of a king, and I'll come in by the front way." I am the son of a king and I will come in frontwards, I think is that was is the words. Well, that's the spirit. That's what we have to remember. We remind ourselves of it. You have access to a hearing God, a holy God, and a hospitable God. And you're all expecting the fourth H, are you not? You have access to a helping God, <laughs> verses 11 to 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout for joy forever. May you shelter them. For you, Lord, bless the righteous one and surround him with favor like a shield. I'm a a little fascinated um, by the story of John Ray or A.E. John Ray was from the Orkney Islands. He was the greatest ever Arctic explorer. Almost nobody knows his name today because uh, the glory was given to another explorer called Franklin. Well, I'm on John Ray's side and John Ray was the greatest Arctic explorer and he discovered the Northwest Passage that joins Northern Canada. It joins the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. It's very far north and in the 19th century, the, um, that whole area was deadly, especially in the winter. Men perished in the extreme cold. They died of hunger and exposure. So John Ray not only survived but he learned to flourish in the arctic circle and one reason for that was that he was willing to learn from the local people the Inuit we used to call them Eskimos in, in my youth especially he learned how to build a snow house we call them Ingalus back then he learned to build a snow house and there in the midst of storms that could kill you in minutes he was safe and secure because he was covered actually covered by ice He'd, he could build a snow house and, and survive in it until the storms pass by yeah. and that's similar to the idea in these verses there are two lovely word pictures here one is covering uh, the uh, the covering and the other is, um, is surrounding shield surrounding you cover them you cover them and you surround them with favor like a shield covered and surrounded by the protecting care of the almighty that's the that's the picture so uh, god may not change your circumstances Dave, david uh, when he wrote this psalm his circumstances were still aggravating they're still harmful they're still um, giving him cause for pain but god will keep you at peace in the midst of the storm the storm may roar without me my heart may low be laid but God is round about me and shall I be dismayed that captures that old hymn captures this sense of psalm 5 we have a, a a God who helps Well, the history of the Christian Church is full of examples of this truth that our Heavenly Father is disposed to be a refuge to his children. He was with the elderly Polycarp, maybe in his 80s or 90s, the elderly Polycarp as he goes to be killed in the Roman arena. He was with William Tyndale in the Belgian prison in the cold winter nights where he he couldn't keep himself warm waiting to be executed, longing for a pen and parchment so that he could continue his translation of the Hebrew scriptures so that the English people might have the Bible in their own vernacular language. He was with Tyndall when he was taken out and strangled at the stake and then his body burned to ashes. He was with Johnny Erickson as she broke her neck and uh, recovered in hospital to find that She was a paraplegic living in a wheelchair. He was with Cranmer and Ridley in the flames in Oxford. He was with John Wesley uh, in the midst of drunken mobs threatening to kill him in Cornwall. We have access to a helping God who delights to cover and surround his people, his children in the hard days and the hard nights. That's uh, Psalm 5. The Lord bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the experience of King David. We thank you for being his help and his security, for being his vindication, for being his uh, his carer, his protector in the hour of trouble. So whatever condition we are in this morning we pray especially for those who've woken up this morning to another day of uh, discomfort and heartache and heartbreak. I pray that it might please you to secure the truth of this psalm steadfast in their hearts and minds. In Jesus name. Amen.